When we think of the basics of education, we think about math skills, technology, reading, and writing. Often missing from that, though, is one of the most basic functions you'll need as an adult, which is how to manage your money. Welcome to this edition of the 21 News Podcast. I'm Managing Editor Justin Mitchell, and with me today is Victoria Yurkovic, the Consumer Affairs Manager from the Ohio Department of Commerce, which is focusing on closing that gap. Victoria, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. So first off, let's talk about what the basics of financial literacy are. I mean, what are the skills that kids are coming out of high school either not having enough of or that you guys are focused on on making sure they have more of? So a lot of times what I see and what I kind of hear a lot from teachers, professors, one from being from the high school teachers to the professors in college is this renowned like new independence that happens with students. So they go from being in mom and dad's home under their roof, under their guidance, and then they're kind of pushed out a lot of times into the real world. And this newfound independence causes them to kind of lose sight of some of the basic principles their parents might have taught them. So they start to make financial mistakes that sometimes I don't think parents are prepared to address. Um, so they forget that, you know, I had mom and dad pay for a lot of my stuff and that might not be the case anymore. So there's just this level of things kind of go out the window because there's not a solid foundation started either earlier enough or there's not a foundation of financial literacy taught throughout their schooling that helps set them up for success. And and so I'd like to get into some of the reasons why those skills are important. I mean, there's the obvious, which is that it can save people from falling into debt and the cycle of hardship. But there are broader societal impacts as well, aren't there? I mean, if uh, if you start making cyclical financial mistakes, then that leads to everything from higher foreclosure rates to more vacant housing in a community to higher crime rates to, you know, a, a number of things that that really get to the fabric of society. Right, because we live in a capitalist society. So everything is basically run by money. So if you don't have a community or, you know, citizens as a state, Ohio citizens, if they're not performing correctly in per se, if they're not provided the best financial future, then that can significantly mean negative impacts on your state, local communities. I mean, it, it filters down. So you want people to be equipped with skills to be able to make the best financial decisions they can so that it makes a greater state to operate. Um, you could just think of it as when you look at, you know, debt, there's, there are, you're most likely going to have some type of get debt. And it's determining the difference between good and bad. So you have to be strategic about some of the, the ways that financial literacy works in order to you know, be successful. So, so tell me about what the Department of Commerce is offering to help get these skills to these students before they've made these mistakes. I mean, what is the program? Who benefits? And where is it available? So within the Ohio Department of Commerce, we have the Division of Financial Institutions, and they, our division handles a lot of licensing examination for your 
state chartered banks, your credit unions and consumer finance entities like your mortgage lenders and brokers for the state, pawn brokers, short term loan companies. And within that, there is what is the Office of Consumer Affairs. And our role is to create outreach efforts uh, for varying ages throughout the state to provide necessary financial literacy um, information, education tips from your elderly to your preschoolers. We have a lot of resources on our website that talks about just elementary level things that you can do with your kids to teach them basic financial literacy concepts. Um, we also do have uh, a poster pilot program going on this year where we created basic financial literacy posters that we're getting into the central Ohio area in the middle schools to kind of spread awareness um, across the middle school age group. We are working with the Ohio Department of Education to provide resources for teachers because of the Senate bill um, that is going to start at the beginning of this school year this fall, basically requiring a half a credit financial literacy course for all Ohio high school graduates. So there are many resources that we're providing to get the message out there and to help not only teachers and um, you know professionals, but also uh, parents, because really you need that, um, you need those topics and the education at home as well as in school. So what are some of the, you know, at different age levels, what are some of the basic things that that are useful? I mean, obviously, you can get a lot more detailed for an 18-year-old who might have their own place six months from now versus a kindergartner, but there is a, there is a way to start young with these basics. I mean, what are some, some really basic tools that they can learn? So what I like to tell um, parents is um, starting literally at the preschool kindergarten level is the greatest way to start having these conversations. Having your child have playtime that requires them to give you money and vice versa. So playing, you know, store, register, even buying them a piggy bank and like giving them certain like dollars per week or even any money they get for their birthday or any type of celebration, giving it to them and giving them that introductory level responsibility of here's $10. It's yours to spend. We go to the store, maybe buy yourself something, or is there something that you want that you can save more money for that will get you that purchase down the road? Um, And just basically by having general conversations with your kids when they're young to explain when I go to the store to buy groceries for the family, what is my budget? How much can I spend? And what does that really get us um, into our refrigerator, into our homes? So it's kind of like a show and tell philosophy. You really need to model the behavior so that your ch- your children are really learning from you. And parents will say, well, I might not be the best with money. You don't have to be. You just have to open that conversation with them because you can be honest with them as they get to the elementary and middle school years by basically saying, you know what? I didn't make the greatest decisions. I didn't have all the knowledge that I need. Maybe there's something that we can both look up together. Maybe I can look on, look up information on how to get a loan for something that I want. Can you help mommy look into that? You know, those types of conversations at the little bit of the higher level. Once they get to high school, school, you want to start implementing some of these strategies. Maybe when you are trying to prepare them how to make a budget or how to effectively hold on to their money, either to spend or to save, maybe doing the envelope system, giving them like $100 uh, for, you know, a the month or six month span or whatever you're comfortable with because you really set the parameter for your kids Um, and just telling them like here's the money you have and here's what you can spend it with and really guide them through conversation on how to spend it effectively 
Now, is is all of this sort of one size fits all or is any of it tailored to different circumstances? Because, I mean, obviously, and, and you mentioned this a little bit, you know, there, there are some, some areas where, you know, say there's a wealthier school district and students need the same skills, but they may be starting out from a more advantageous position than a district with a high poverty rate where there are initial obstacles to overcome before you can start managing this, particularly if it's generational. So there's going to be pros and cons to both situations. So a lot of folks think wealthier families with wealthier children have it all. They'll always have mommy and daddy bail them out, or they'll always have the resources to be able to make decisions, you know, good financial decisions. But that's not true. A lot of times, we, if you really look at society, those that have a lot of money don't have a lot of savings. They tend to always be more materialistic because I have the money for it. They have the more expensive homes, the more expensive houses. So they're really not doing the best they can in terms of setting them up for a great financial future, where some of those that are more in the middle class have better savings and better a better outlook on you know needs and wants than they do. So sometimes if you start out in that demographic of you know a little bit on the lower end, maybe lower middle class or even poverty level, you have this slight appreciation for when you do get into the opportunity of learning how to set yourself up for success later in life, you really listen to the message and you really value the input that not only your parents might have for you, but outside sources like schooling or organizations that provide financial literacy. So not you're right, not everybody's going to have the same situation, but there are pros and cons to how you really learn and and, and apply those strategies in your own um, personal situation. So so what are some of the, the basic strategies? Like, like, for instance, as we're talking about the differences here, you know, somebody, I think, graduating high school with less means is more, they're easier prey for something like, you know, high interest debt, that kind of thing that could really set a trap for a long, long time mm-hmm. that uh, that you may not be as ripe of a candidate for at a different level, but you could still make different mistakes that kind of haunt you for years and years. I know, you know, in, in my own situation in my life, I mean, I, I started getting serious about figuring out how to manage my money when I was almost 30. I had gotten married young. I was, you know, I, I didn't handle the family finances in that first marriage. We were both young. We made a lot of mistakes. I'm still digging out from some of them. Um, you know, so I, I wish that I would have had some tools available to me to kind of know, no, watch out for this or that. I mean, what are some of the pitfalls that people need to know as you enter the world to avoid? Well, so the biggest thing is, is that when you turn 18, a lot of a lot of kids immediately think I'm going to get a credit card because a credit card is going to be my safety net when I want to spend money, and especially college kids. But you got to think what's happening in the first year. I'm going out more with my friends, spring break. I want to dress differently. I want to dress better. I want to buy my own stuff. Like I don't have to worry about mom and dad capping me out on what I can and can't buy. So you think if I buy this magical or if I get this magical credit card, it will buy me anything I want. And a lot of a lot of college kids are not really strategically looking at this, that like a high interest rate credit card, not paying off your balance every month, racks up debt and debt and debt. And you will hear it story after story. I got a credit card at 18, 19, 20, and I'm still paying it off well into my late 20s. Because you get into this cycle of not being able to get yourself out. So there's that. And, and the thing is too is, 
it's a double-edged sword because sometimes you need credit cards, like one solid credit card to help build your credit. Because if you don't get credit cards and you don't take out a student loan, then you have nothing to show to a creditor that you are valuable, you know, a, a person uh -huh. that can actually maintain funds. So that's why we always say look at credit debt from a strategic standpoint. If you can get a credit card and pay off the balance monthly and get it at 18 and be smart about it, you can set yourself up for a good credit score, a good credit prof profile, which to creditors, you're good for low interest rates on a home maybe down the line, low interest rate loans if you need to take one out. So it's all about strategy and it's all about really looking at the keys. It's also important that the earlier save, whether it's the littlest amount month to month, the earlier you start saving, the better down the line. It's all about compound interest. It's all about taking what you did at 18 and then seeing where it takes you when you hit 65, 70, whenever you want to retire. Um, so it's really just making the impactful message to 18, 19, 20 year olds that you might not think savings important right now because I don't have a lot of money or you don't think, you know, if I take this credit card, that's not going to you know, affect me down the road. I'll have the money to pay it off at, at some point. Same thing with student loans. But it, you don't know. You don't know that. So you just want to be smart because you are 18. You are an adult and you're taking the responsibility at, to go to trade school or higher education or start a business or start working. So you have to, you have to be, you know, careful and you have to put yourself in that adult standpoint. I'm going to be smart about my money. So basically the cycle to avoid is once you have, you, you can save money, pretty much anybody who doesn't carry any, you know, real significant debt, can probably save some money. Once you start racking up the debt, you have to pay down that debt and you end up in a hole where you can't save money. And uh, and now you're, you're behind in two areas. So I guess the message for an 18-year-old is, you know, start to learn to manage debt very wisely. For instance, one credit card for one thing, whatever it might be that you would be buying anyways, and you're still paying for it. Just use the card, pay the card. Use the card, pay the card. And uh, and save. I mean, those are really the keys. But if you mess up either one of them, you can unravel pretty quickly. And you'll be dealing with that when you're an age that you can't even fathom being right now. Right. Because a lot of things, and that's, the thing, and that's where we have to get the out of the mindset that having a card is just free money. Because it's not. You... Credit cards are valuable in a lot of different ways. One, credit cards, if you use a credit card versus like a debit card, if someone were to scam you or if you were to be in a fraud situation, you are better protected through that credit card than you are a debit because the credit card, um, there's more laws and protection in your money there than it is in the debit. And, and if someone stole your debit card and took out $500, a lot of times the money's gone and it takes a while for your bank or credit union to recoup it. With a credit card, it's like almost immediate you'll get that back because of the protections and, and the laws. So that's one favor. The other thing is too, is that credit cards do have some incentives. There's there's uh, money you can earn back for certain purchases, two, two points, uh, it could be points, it could be percentages, whatever the case might be. You can sometimes earn free money, not a lot, but you can do it. But the key is, is that you still want to treat a credit card as if you were using a debit. If I want to go buy something and it, let's say it's $250 and I'm going to charge it on my credit card. If I know I don't have that 250 pay for it, I shouldn't be buying it. 
It's really needs versus wants. I know I want something, but at the end of the day, do I have the money and do I really need it? So you just have to treat credit cards as a tool to really just guide you on the right path because it's good to have it for credit purposes, for you know your score, reporting purposes, history, but it also is that devil's advocate and can really get you into a lot of trouble really quickly. Right. So they're not there to buy things that you otherwise can't afford. They're there to build credit for things that you really will need down the road. Yes. That's kind of the key to everything, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I wish I had met you at 18. Um, <laughs> I saw <myself> at 18. <laughs> right, right. Um, I appreciate your time very much. Is there anything else that you want to add about where any of these resources or this information might be available for anybody seeking it out? So if you go to the Commerce website, um, com.ohio.gov, and if you look, there's at the very front page, there's a lot of um, tabs that you can click, but there's one that specifically talks about uh, financial health or, consu- or anything related to consumer education resources. We also have our divisional um, page linked from there, and you can go there and you can also see our consumer page with lots of resources for a lot of different age groups. And then we talk about a lot of different things from financial literacy to financial fraud. So So even if you feel like I have a handle on my finances, I don't need to learn anything more, you might learn something because there's always important information regarding financial fraud that anybody can learn at any point at any day. Well, I thank you very much for your time. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye.